are live. I am stepping in and taking the role of Jeff Sample today. This is Dorkcast episode 72, The Dorks Go Heavy Metal with Angie Simon from the Heavy Metal Summer Experience. Um, I will, uh, I'll go, I'll, I'll give the shout out to Jeff. Jeff could not be here. He's traveling this week. Um, so Angie, he sends his, uh, best wishes on the, the podcast and he, he would love to get you on the crew. So we'll have to make that happen afterwards. Okay. Um, I will go ahead and kick things off. Jonathan, what you drinking tonight? What's going on with you? Well, it is the first snow. So like, like I, I I'm going peated. So this is our local mm -hmm. peated bourbon mix. So altered States, local to Erie. This is their peated one. And it actually is good, but it's not scotch. Like, like you think scotch in peating, it's very much like a peated bourbon. So weird, but very good. I needed something like I looked out at the white this morning, got real depressed and I'm like, I need a drink. So, um, how about, how about you, Travis? What are you drinking this morning? Or this evening, sorry. <laughs> I should have been drinking. I, I, I have morning, been drinking obviously. since this morning. No. Um, <laughs> I am still working on my smoke wagon malted rye, the, the Vegas rye that I picked up. I, I just mixed it into a highball, so a little, little bit of lime juice and a little bit of club soda. Um, it is one of my conference mainstays because, you know, I have to stay hydrated while I'm working that shore, shore floor. Um, but um, so, yeah, working on that in, in, uh, it's always tasty. What about you, Trent? I think that uh, you're out of your 75. Your That's right. 75, so right? I've, I, I've got a glass with some bourbon in here. I I don't have the bottle to showcase what it is, and I'll have to check some of the documentation from uh, one of the uh, online bourbon groups that I'm in. This is uh, one of the bourbon shipments from the group from uh, earlier in the summer when I was on my uh, 75 hard dry period. So I had these left, and I thought, Hey, these things need to get drank yet. So, what better way? What better way to go after them than uh, on a heavy metal podcast? So, I I don't know the name of it, but I'm sure it's a very uh, uh, slightly or probably a pretty expensive nice bourbon that I'm going after right now. So. <laughs> well, I'm sure that insert random bourbon name here is very tasty tonight. So. Right, and the individual that mailed it. If you're watching this, you'll find out now that I did not drink your bourbon when you mailed it and i'm drinking it now so <laughs> cats out of the back <laughs> oh well, oh, well. Right and well now we'll welcome in angie angie thank you for taking the time i know that you were traveling today i think you've you have settled into your hotel room there in in sunny san diego um yes. what you what you got with for us tonight well i wish i was drinking a bourbon right now that you guys are you're after my own heart i like a i'm I like a good manhattan i'm into that oh, uh but, but I have water, but we will be having <laughs> drinks here in the next two hours. So I've got happy hour coming up at five. So we'll be, I'll catch up with you. I'm a little ahead of you guys. So, or behind, behind <laughs> yeah. you guys, I should say. So, yeah. yeah, we're, yeah. we're you got a pace, too. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, I just arrived in San Diego for, uh, actually I'm here for a women's summit. Um, SmackNA has a women's summit. We're going to, we've got, uh, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 women coming and a great speaker tomorrow. So that'll be fun um, to see and to, to share some ideas and stories and things like that. So I think it'll be great. But, um, That's fantastic. And, um, you know, we, we chatted a little bit out at the, at the SmackNA convention and they just, um, you know, they, they installed a new president this year, Carol Duncan. Um, is it, you know, I don't, is it fairly common for a, a woman in, in SmackNA? Is it, is this, I mean, it seems like obviously recent history anyway, 
bodes yeah. shows that. Well, we're excited that Carol, I mean, Carol just went in. She's actually here. She's, she and her daughter are both going to be here for the summit. Um, she is, and we, we say, we're not going to say this, but she is the second woman president ever for SMACNA. And I was our first in 2019. First, okay. So in 75 years, SMACNA hadn't had a woman until I went in. So um, it is, uh, but now, I mean, our board has three or four women on it. And I mean, we, we're really, uh, our, you know, we hope to get another one on the executive committee here in the next year or two. So um, it's becoming more common and that's a great thing. So. Well, fantastic. And, and you did such a great job. They made you do it a second year. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, that and COVID. COVID. Uh, I well, did we don't want to talk about that. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> I, I got to be the first woman president and the first two-year president ever. So that was great. <laughs> So. We'll celebrate. We'll celebrate both. So um, yeah. we we did title this the the uh, the dorks go heavy metal. So I think it's probably a great time for you to go ahead and, and we'll just kick it right off there um, for anybody that lives under a rock. Can you um, give give us for, well first start start with your background and then kind of what led you to where you are now? Okay, um, I was uh, I'm a mechanical engineer at a Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo in California and. Um, one year out of college, I started at Western Allied Mechanical um, as, as, we, as a young project manager. And we were a mechanical contractor at the time doing, you know, maybe that year we were doing 20 million and we were doing a lot of design build. And I just grew up in the company. Uh, I, I uh, as of just past January, I'd been 36 years and I'm officially retired from the company. I, in about 2008, I became our president which was a great time to start as 2008 to become president because in 2008, <laughs> nine hit. And then you learned a lot about having to run a company. Um, we did about 40 million when I became president. And when I retired, we were doing about 125 million. So we grew really nicely, full mechanical. Um, we actually do controls, plumbing, you know, piping, sheet metal and uh, balance and service. We have a big service division. And um, great, great, loved it, loved working in the construction industry. I mean, for me, the choices when I was in college, uh, I wanted to do HVAC solar, which was an option within Cal Poly. And I did that because I thought solar sounded pretty cool because of energy. But I also knew when I graduated, I didn't want to go work for a consultant. I wanted to go out in the field. I, I played softball at Cal Poly, so I've always been very sports minded. Um, and I just said, hey, I don't want to be behind a desk the entire time. So I thought construction sounded great. My dad, my dad was not in construction. And that's the part everybody asked me, was your dad in construction? <laughs> my dad actually worked for at Point Magoo, which is a naval weapons station. He was he's an electrical engineer. But, you know, when your dad works at a naval weapons station, you don't bring, you don't bring your daughter to work. So I don't I didn't really know what my dad did. <laughs> so I think he did something with missiles. So um, but I ended up doing that and I loved construction. And so I also worked my way through. Um, at Western Allied, we had some people handled MCA, which is the mechanical side, and some people handled the SMACNA side, the, the sheet metal side. And we wanted to have a relationship with SMACNA and MCA because that's who negotiates for our unions with our union partners. And I was involved locally with the SMACNA side and was our local SMACNA president back in 2008. And they also asked if I would join the national board for SMACNA. And I, and I said, sure, and found out that they had never had a woman on the board, which I was a little surprised about. Good, good experience for me too, because I grew up in California and in California, everybody's full mechanical. And uh, I mean, there's just, we do things, we're more cutting edge on, on things and we were a lot of design build, a lot of teamwork stuff. And I learned really quickly that that wasn't the way it is across the country. I mean, that there's a lot of sheet metal only and uh, a lot of companies um, that do plan spec only or, or bid, bid, bid build. Um, so I learned a lot about what other, other parts of the country do. 
and then eventually got off the board and, and they kept trying to convince me to go through the chairs. But after I had to kind of get the last, I have two boys or actually I should say two men, you know, 28 and 25 now, but the one, the younger one was just getting at, going through high school. And eventually I did cave in and with a lot of wine from my girlfriends, I agreed to go ahead and go through the chairs. And so ended up being national president. Um, and it was the course of the pandemic. Uh, we were in the pandemic and my partner at work, who's now our president, and I were talking about one of his kids and he has four boys. And this one boy was just one who's probably not going to go to college. He's just, you know, schools is tough for him, but he loves his hand, working with his hands. And he had taken an art class and did a lot of welding. And so luckily Zach was able, because we had welding in our shop, we had a shop foreman that said he'd love to teach him welding after work. So when some, the summer of the pandemic, in 19, I think it was 20, he took welding from our guy, Mike. And Mike was saying he's a great welder. He was 14 years old. And that's when we started talking, you know, we really should share this vision because we were right by East Palo Alto, which is fairly underserved area. And I said, we should run a summer camp. And Zach was like, hey, that sounds great, but I don't have the time. And I said, well, I'll make time. So I put a business plan together and presented it to my partners and said, I think we should run a summer camp. And I explained to them, it might, it's going to cost us some money, but this is why I thought we should do it. And I said, let the kids know about it. We could get more people in our trades that way. We could teach high schoolers about what a great career it is. Um, so my partner said, yes, let's do it. So we were, I was starting to make plans when we had our virtual smack the convention. And I, um, there was a round table, virtual round table on workforce development. And I shared the idea that, that we were going to run the summer camp. And my peer group partner, Hermanson up in Seattle, um, Rick Hermanson called me as soon as we were off. He called me up and said, we want to do that with you. And I said, awesome. So the, the two companies worked together, which was pretty powerful. We came up with the name Heavy Metal Summer Experience because we thought it was a fun name. And we came up with, you know, what kind of projects we were going to do in our shops and uh, with piping and sheet metal. We came up with liability forms like permission slips and, and how we, you know, and what we're going to do when we had determined we had talked to Milwaukee Tool at the time and they said they'd love to give us tool bags for the kids. So they gave us, I think we had 28 total kids. I think they gave us 30 or 35 tool bags for the kids. Um, we also worked on getting red wing boots for the kids and um, we gave them PPE as well. And that's kind of it. We just, we just kind of formed, formed a summer camp. So they did it up in Seattle and we did it up. Uh, we did it in Menlo Park, California in the summer of 21. So it was, we started planning it in the fall of 20 and uh, first camp was 28 kids in two locations in the summer of 21. So what, when did you realize it was going to take off? Because it really has. Like, I, I I will tell you that that everybody talks. There's a large number of people that are talking about your summer camp. And I think a lot of it, we would have all liked to gone to one of those summer camps a, as a younger person. But when, when did it, when for you, when did you like look around and go, oh my gosh, wait, this is a much bigger thing than I thought. Yeah, I still, I still can't believe how much has taken off. Um, you know, our... Our, our, what what happened after that first summer was I was then national president and finally getting to travel a little bit. So I started sharing and, and SmackDown was an amazing partner too. Even that first summer we made a video, they made a video with us. So they helped us with that. They came over, they filmed, they made a video of us and, and Hermanson and we talked about the whole idea and we, we shared the video, but I started telling everybody about it when I went around to contractors across the United States. And I, I think part of it was I kind of started, started saying, okay, Everywhere I go, you all say we have a workforce development problem. We're all worried about it. But I, I sat, kind of looked at the contract and said, but we need to stop talking about it. And, and it's time for you to get some skin in the game and for you to do something about it. Because I said, 
we're thinking the unions are going to solve this problem. And um, not that they aren't trying, but they need our help. And we need to do this together. And so I kind of started challenging contractors to say, it's your turn to step up and do something. And we'll make it easy for you. Here, we wrote a playbook. So Rick Hermanson, Hermanson and, and Western Ally together helped write this playbook. And the playbook, we, we kind of call it the easy button. We hope that that playbook will explain to them how we ran the camp, what we found, lessons learned, you know, all kinds of things. And, and all the projects we did were in the playbook. So that second summer, we had 11 locations and hundred and about 150 kids. So we went from 28 kids to about 150 kids. And um, I actually, that's where I started going, wow, I don't know if Milwaukee is going to give me 150. <laughs> tool bags. So then DeWalt stepped up and we, we split those tool bags. So they, they each gave us half the tool bags, which was really great. I mean, they, they, they took team together um, and we started raising money for the boots that we were giving them, the PPE and the metals and everything else. We had other sponsors like Procore stepped in right away and Mestec Machinery stepped in right away to make our metals. And I think when it really hit me was after that summer, when all 11 said we're in again, and then all of a sudden I had a bunch more that wanted to do it. And um, we were given a free booth at the, at the SMACTA convention. And then we were given a free booth at the MCA convention. And then, oh my gosh, I mean, the free booth at the SMACTA convention, the MCA future president the next year, he was, it was in October and Robert Beck was going to be president of MCA the following March. And he stopped by our booth because he was at our convention and he goes, we're going to do this. This is a great idea. I've never seen this before. And sure enough, Danforth ran a camp the next summer, even though he was president of MCA. So it's just, that's where it's like, take it off. Last summer, this past summer, so just a few months ago, we had 21 locations and 325 kids. Wow. And all 21 locations are going to do it again. And I'm I'm easily on track for 50 more locations, 50 total next summer, probably six, 700 kids. <laughs> So it's a good thing I am retired because I'm not really retired. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So. That's great. You know, I, I, I love it. It's like finally, you know, somebody really owning up to something and, and coming up with like a, a long-term solution to, to some of these problems that we keep talking about, you know, with the, the unions and the contractors pointing at each other, you know, talking about what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And um, it's really cool. I mean, th this is going to have to bear fruit at some point, right? I mean, Angie, have you seen, I mean, it's only been a couple of years, right? But I mean, have you been able to see any of, of this bear fruit yet? Or I'm it's absolutely. I mean, yeah. every year we're going, we're, we're forming it to originally we said high school and then we started saying, well, let's make it like 16, 17, 18 high school. So not the youngest ones. Right. And as we go, we, we kind of want the older ones because we'd like to see it's nice when they, they attend and they've already graduated. And so, but most camps, let's say on, on average, a camp has 12 to 15, 12 to 16 kids. Um, usually we get five to six of them that have graduated high school. So you got to realize that of 16 kids, we may only have six that have graduated high school, but I'll tell you of those six, typically five or six of them are interested in getting in the trades. Now, sometimes when you're working with the underserved areas too, particularly, um, driver's license are a big hurdle for kids in the underserved areas. So we're seeing like my very first camp, I had kids that were very interested, but of the five that have graduated high school, Four of them wanted to get, well, one of them got in right away. She had a driver's license. She was in, she pre-apprenticed for us right away. But the other four really wanted to, but none of them had driver's license. And mm -hmm. takes a little bit when you don't have cars in the family. And we finally, after almost a year, those four got driver's license. And um, then we had, we were tutoring them a little bit to help them take the test. Um, they took the test and they did all right. 
So the next thing they were going to have interviews. So we end up doing mock interviews with them at our shop because the I work with a nonprofit in, in our group and that nonprofit called, would you guys do do off mock interviews? I said, absolutely. What I thought was really cool about that was, so my super two superintendents showed up, myself and my husband. So we we're going to do a mock interviews. So we had two rooms, we're going to put a kid in each room. They showed up with six kids. And I said, well, well who are you? This, you know, this guy. And he goes, well, I'm Joe's older brother, but I work at Lowe's, but he Joe's told me all about it. I think this is a better job. I want to get in. Awesome. The other kid That's said, awesome. I'm, I'm the neighbor of this guy and he, and I want to do it. So they had already passed the test as well. So we didn't just get those four in our, in the trays. We got six because they told their friends and their brothers about it. So um, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so we are, we, we actually just did our first ever annual report and we do show some numbers in there and we are getting kids in the trades. Um, Superior Duck down in Southern California, every time he has a fab shop and he immediately offers anybody that's graduated a job and all, I mean, that's awesome. start working right away. I guess he, he just, cause he's a fab shop, he could, and they can allow, I, every area is different on how many pre-apprentices you can take. But I mean, if they're allowed pre-apprentices and you can take them, then you, then they, you can help them the course of the next six months to get into the apprenticeship after that. So um, it works really well. Oh, that, that's, that's so fantastic. Cool. And, and um, one of the things I wanted to pick at that you were talking about is you, it is the heavy metal summer experience. And we've talked a little bit too that, that, you know, yes, you, you, you started with sheet metal or you started with the full mechanical and now you're really looking for those, those full MEP contractors to do it too. So that's, that's one, one thread to pick at, um, yeah. pick at your brain. But what you highlighted there with the, the interview train training, um, I think that's one of the things that many of us have been in the industry for a while. We're talking about with some of the younger people come out is they're just, they're lacking some of the uh, communication skills, some of the interpersonal skills. So um, yeah. could you, could you pick on that more? Cause it, it's not just, bending metal, um, um, yeah. metal and whatnot. And, and we have to, if we really, I mean, we can't just have a camp and then throw the kids and say, okay, now go take this test and, and get in because, well, one of the problems we're also seeing is, and I, we're seeing it. I'm also on a Dean's advisory, the Dean of engineering's advisory board at Cal Poly. So, you know, you don't I'm have a, enough to do, I don't have enough, <laughs> to do. but I, uh, the, the Dean was telling us that the kids are, the kids that they're applying for college now, their math skills really deteriorated during the pandemic. I mean, these kids were freshmen and sophomore during the pandemic, and they're they're just and so we're seeing the same thing with the union tests in the math skills are even worse than they were before. So we as a group, you know, we can't just say go take the test and get in. We need to be willing to help them. And I, I will tell you a story about um, we ran a camp in St. Louis. And this actually, they've run a camps the last two summers and they do it at, they tour three contractor shops. So they take a half a day, three days in a row, and they go to a residential, a commercial and an industrial contractor. And then the following week, they take the whole week and they do the camp in the J, in the training center, the, the joint apprentice training center. And the teachers in the St. Louis training center, the sheet metal guys are, have been amazing. And they love the kids. This time they I think they had 16 kids. And they have a nice, they do a great job in St. Louis of getting that demographic to look like St. Louis. So it's not, it's not all white kids. It's, it's looks like St. Louis's population, which I love. So there was in that camp, I think they had five kids that ha that were already out of school had graduated. And so those five kids that on Friday afternoon at the end of camp, they had them take the test to get in. And there was one young man that wanted to work so badly and he failed one section of the test. And when they turn that, they turn the test in and they, they get it back right away. 
the instructor said he looked like he was going to cry. And so he pulled him aside and he said, do you have another hour? Can you stay with me for an hour? And the kid said, yeah. He goes, I'm going to work with you. So he tutored him for an hour. The next morning, Saturday morning, when their graduation was, he told him to come back and take the test again. And I walked in right when I got to go to their graduation. I walked in right when he came out of that test and his smile was the hugest smile in the world. He had passed that section. That's awesome. He was was starting work Monday with one of our contractors. So that's um, fantastic. You know, so I think sometimes we need to help. I mean, I'm proud of my my son works at Western Allied now, my 25 year old, and he runs my camp a lot for me. But he's also tutoring two nights a week uh, on his own time and helping these kids that want to get in. So. Sometimes we do need to help them, I think, and that's uh, that's part of it. I think we we got to understand that they that these kids that particularly if you're working with the underserved areas, um, they haven't had that kind of assistance. So um, we've got to teach them. That. And and you know what? They don't all work. I mean, they don't they don't all pan out. They they learn that yeah, I got to get up early. So hopefully they do. But um, you know, we're seeing uh, really good numbers with it. I'll say that for sure. So and it's an important thing to call out because we we do talk a lot, and, and it's very important that we build you know, our um, open and inclusive job sites and, and jobs. And, and, and that's, that's incredibly important to, to attract them in. But we also need to be able to work with the people that do come to us to help upskill them so that they're ready to, to jump into the workforce. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, our our kids coming out of high school right now, um, I mean, many of these kids don't even know how to use a tape measure day one so we've got to show them what a tape measure is i mean so kids are kids are not like when we were and i'm older than way older than you guys but when i was young i mean we we did those kind of things i mean we worked with things more i think and we were outside more we were doing things more where i think these kids are they certainly understand that they they like the computer stuff because the you know they're doing video games right that that kind of is cool but there's a point where they got to learn what a level is and how to use a tape measure. And, but I will tell you that fire is their number one focus. They love fire. They like welding. <laughs> they do a fire, which makes me as a, you know, a little nervous. Well, they love fire. Yeah. Picture like a Beavis and Butthead reference there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, if, if you have Trent and Jonathan drawn for you, you don't need a tape measure anyway. Everything's just bimmed and. It's yeah. It just works that it just works that well. <laughs> You know, yeah, exactly. That's definitely what a, how things work. What a great foundation. You know, I I sit here and, and think about all the good that, that you're probably doing for the future of the industry. But it's really important, you know, the story you just told, like what you're doing for these individuals, too. And I'm a firm believer in the second and third effects of things. Like I'm always thinking about what's the second and third effects of our actions. And like the, the things that you're doing just have to be. I, it's it's crazy. You're probably not even realizing yeah. everything that you guys are affecting. Um, that, that, that really is a cool thing. And coming from somebody who started as a mechanical person who started more in the trades and then transitioned into the computer stuff, the software, like, look, you're laying the foundation for these people to, you know, a lot of them have interest in the computers, but that can come later. I mean, yeah. think about the bedrock, the foundation, like, yeah. Um, it's paid dividends for me. Uh, I can only imagine what it's going to do uh, for all of them as well. And one of the things we love to tell them, and, and we talk to them about the fact that, like I told them, probably 60% of the contractors within SMACNA have started in the trades and they've worked their way up. I mean, Rick Hermanson, he was sweeping the floors at for his dad's company when he started. And he and he worked his way through the union and, and all the way up to runs a $300 million company now. So we tell them that anything's possible and there's so much opportunity in the trades that... and. One of the things, like 
I can share one story. It's a really cool story. Um, it was our first summer camp, and it was actually up at, up in Hermanson, up in Seattle. And there was a, a young woman in the camp that really did great the entire camp. She was she kicked butt compared to like some of the guys. They, they had three or four girls in that camp, but they had but she just stood out. And at graduation, her mom pulled us aside and said, "I'm a housekeeper, and my husband's a framer." She said, "And I'll tell you, my daughter. She her last semester of senior year, she was very." depressed. She said, I lost my daughter. She went somewhere dark because she didn't know what she wanted to do when she knew she didn't want to go to college. And she goes, six weeks later, now that she's been in your camp, I have my daughter back. And I thank you so much. And this young lady now has been an apprentice for almost a year and a half. And Hermanson was disappointed because they have to rotate apprentices. So she's had to go to <laughs> but they hope that she'll come back to Hermanson when she when the rotation's done. But you know, I look at it and think if I can save one kid out of every camp, then I, I win. And and I mean, it just makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you're doing something. So. So, you know, you get a lot of you're saying you're, you're, you've got underserved areas. you got a, a huge like big umbrella for uh, for for the type of kids that are attending camp. Is there something that you see that really brings them together? Because. In thinking about it, I was like, you know, there's not a lot of shop classes left in high schools that are that are getting people. And even when I was in shop class, I don't think they ever kind of said you can make a living at any of these things. It was always like, oh, you have a free, you know, you have yeah. a free, free course. Just go over there and take shop class. It wasn't like you can make a lot of money and possibly run million dollar business. You know, it was shop right. class. So is there anything that you see that sort of is is the like that? that is the tip off that these, these kids are going to going to be excellent at this camp or that they would be interested in the camp for the parents out there and everybody else that's looking at their kids going, should I send my kid to this? Well, I think two things. One is the kids don't pay anything for the camp and they do walk away with a set of boots and a set of tools and PPE and, and all kinds of neat things they make at the camp. But the one thing I, I have said over and over again, um, you know, career fairs are great, but, 30, we, we recommend around 30 hours for the camp because the kids really need to get into and start using their hands and using the tooling that we make and, and what we have so that they can start to figure out, oh, my gosh, I can make this myself. I mean, they learned to solder. They learned to weld. They learned, you know, they bend metal. They thought they had to bend it by hand. They had they found out, oh, we have we have machines to do that. And then we show them. I mean, we show them. We actually uh, make an air conditioning unit. We teach them. Uh, we put ice in the air conditioning unit. They, they learn how a fan will blow and how the temperature is different when there's ice in it and when there's not ice in it. And we actually, three of our camps this past summer did electrical projects. We did a, we you know made did electrical stuff and we brought an electrician in to talk to them about that. And that's one of our goals is to to try to make this a full MEP camp if we can. Um, so I think the time they they don't really. The first day or two of camp, depending on if it's a you know a couple hours or and the schedules vary depending on who's hosting the camp. But by the time they've been in camp for maybe five or six hours together as a group, they start realizing that they are making they can make these things. And then the first thing we tell them, and every day we tell them, wow, and you can make so much money doing this, and you can have pensions, and you can have you can take in healthcare and. And uh, it's a career. We tell them all those things and we reiterate it over and over again. But I think it has a lot to do with our union uh, trainers, too, the ones that are teaching them, because they're so proud of what they've done. They, I mean, they have a, they've had an awesome, awesome career and that they love seeing the kids have an interest in it and they love teaching it. I mean, I'll tell you from Hermanson's point of view and Western Allies point of view, our guys that developed our projects and everything, my, I have four of them, particularly our shop foreman and our shop superintendents. 
um, they are so proud of where we've gone with heavy metal and how, you know, they, they really, their chest, chest puffs out because they're like, they had, they started this thing with us. I mean, it wasn't just me, it was my team. And um, I'm thrilled to tell them about how many lives were changing. So it's kind of neat. I, I love that life changing aspect of it. And, and I don't want to, you know, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, and I read a lot of books and, and one of the kind of underlining tones that, that does talk about like some of the, the generations maybe you're too younger than us tongue-in-cheek there but um they do kind of have that that lack of purpose lack of direction so um even the ones that probably don't you know see it all the way through or stick it with the program I, they have to learn something right they, they have to feel like they accomplished something they learned something they learned something about themselves because back to the the apprentice that you talked about like she she just she was down in dumps because she didn't know where she's going to go well now now you, you you've shown her a path and i, I think that's very commendable yeah, and we have a couple. I have one young man, uh, McKinstry, did the, a video after they ran their camp this summer. And McKinstry is a big mechanical contractor up in the Seattle area. And, um, you know, one young man, he talks about, I think I like the plumbing. He goes, I think I want to run my own plumbing business. I mean, yeah. I'm not, but he yeah. can see that people want to, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> Trent, are you a plumber? Oh, yeah. Okay. Proud plumber. All right. All right. Plumbers rock. Yeah. 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 So I, again, I think I think it's so neat. I I um I, I kind of want us to be Switzerland though. So I want us to be able to have mechanical, uh, seat metal, and electricians, and I want them to show the kids all of that because I really want the kids to gravitate to what they feel that they're most interested in. Right. Um. And um. And you know, I mean, in the end, if if that, if I I kind of lay it. I can. I've seen it happen multiple times in a different area. If that instructor, if there is a really dynamic instructor that loves what he's doing. Or she, but most, yeah, there's she, we've had in Kansas City, we had female instructors as well, but they really love what they're doing. It, they, the message that they give the kids, the kids generally want to go there. Like, I think that that <laughs> plumber must have been pretty impressive. So, <laughs> so. you just got to remember, like, what, what are the two things that have contributed the most to the longevity of human life? And it's been the advancement of medicine and modern plumbing. So, and just modern plumbing. <laughs> that's right. Get the yeah, food <laughs> Well, indoor air quality is important too now. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know, you just need sixty minutes. Come on. I <laughs> might have made that up. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah. one of the things I wanted to bring up, which was, um, so my daughter has a friend, and the friend came to me because I was involved with like all the miscellaneous associations, and she's like, I really want to be an electrician and get in as electrician, and it was tough for me to tell her what to do. You know, it was tough for me to understand what to do. I, I got to say, you know, you were talking about possibly having 50 locations, right? Running yeah. how many, like 300 kids through it, it, 50 well, locations, 600 kids, 600 kids, 600, 600 plus. Yeah. And, and I would imagine Danforth's going to be one of those locations, yes. right? Yes. Yes. So Danforth is within an hour and a half from my house. I guarantee you that, that if my daughter ever has a friend again, I can say, Hey, Oh, well, wait a second. There's this summer Academy. It will get yep. you ready for this. It will also get you since it is tough. Like we say, we have a good funnel to, to bring people in, but nothing like what you're doing with the Academy where you're looking at showing them what the job is, having them do that day in the life or while in the life, teaching them how to build and then tutoring them in. Like, like honestly, that's, that's a pretty powerful funnel to get, get people in, interested and in, into it. What do you, where, how do you see it maturing? Cause 
you know, I mean, you, you have so many projects, you're talking about bringing in electrical, you're, you're going to yeah. get big fast. If you're at 50 and 600, like next yeah. year, I hate to say it, I've been looking your exponential growth. That means a hundred yeah. and uh, 1200 students. You yeah. actually are bigger than any individual event at this point, yeah. you know? So, but you know what? I mean, we're talking United States and Canada. So uh, we had one in Canada this year where we expect to have three or four in Canada this next summer. Um, so there's a lot of area. I mean, if you think about it, even if we did 100 locations, that still doesn't touch a, a lot of places across the United States, right? Oh, yeah. um, but um, from my point of view, from what heavy metal does, yeah, I need to get, we, we are trying to scale up. Um, I am focused right now a little bit on that and on fundraising and grant writing and trying to understand. I For one, I think I need to hire, my goal would be by next summer uh, to hire a full-time executive director because I am playing that role right now. And um, I, and that was not my intention on retirement. So, um, I, I would love to be the PR person, but I don't really want to be the full-time executive director. And, and that's not really my strength. I mean, I ran a mechanical contractor, but firm, but I don't really know a whole lot about, I mean, even fundraising is, is a new one for me, but, um, yeah. I think, you know, honestly, what, what the thing that makes me the most excited is, you know, the camps that have run it, they realize like, particularly when it's run by a contractor, they realize their, their employees love doing it, that employees love the fact that they're giving back and they're teaching and, and they get to see these kids. So one story I had of a, our purchasing agent at Western Allied last summer, so summer of uh, 22, she was West, working at Western Allied, but she didn't think she was qualified to, to volunteer. We So what we would do would we'd have four union um, folks. We'd have two sheet metal, two piping teaching the kids. We'd break them into a group of eight. But then we'd have project managers and engineers volunteer. So we'd always have like four adults for every eight kids. So we had like basically a two to one. Um, and the project managers loved the volunteering because it was neat. They were able to like, they just kind of supervise or they'd help them or they do their own project next to them. So they'd stand there and they'd work with them. So, but Justine didn't think, she said, I'm just, I, I'm just a purchasing, purchasing agent. I'm not qualified for that. Well, this past summer, my son talked to her and said, no, 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 you need to volunteer. It's okay. Go for it. She called me up the next day after she volunteered and she said, Angie, this was the best day of work I've ever had in my life. She goes, I had so much fun seeing those kids and how excited they were about this. And, and she goes, and I want to volunteer again. We're making a difference. I want to do this more often. So what we're finding is that as a company, you're realizing that it's helping your, because that the generation that we have working at our companies right now, giving back is important to them. And yeah. um, they're, they're realizing they're giving back and, they're realizing they're helping people who who may not have had a path where they wanted to go. So uh, I think that's, to me, very important. And I think we'll continue to grow. I, I do right now. I'm doing a lot of the let's put you together. So, for example, in Indianapolis, um, Pointer is a big sheet metal contractor in SmackDown and awesome group. He's sheet metal only. There is a large electrical Ermco right next to him, right like like a block away. And then there's North Mechanical, which is plumbing and piping. The three of them are going to work together and host camps. So that and this will be the first time this summer coming up. So we're working on doing that. And I just love the fact that we can do this together. Um, we're, we're letting the unions are starting, even though sometimes our unions, you know, sometimes the UA and SMART may be arguing over what they cover in material. Uh, we're Switzerland. I mean, we're just trying to help kids get into the in, into the trades. So um, it helps everybody. It helps everybody. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. There might yeah. be a construction dork in the backyard of that one camp. In, in yeah. I worked for North <laughs> Mechanical for 11 years. Yeah. Oh, you did? 
Absolutely. Are, are you in yeah. that area? Are you in? I am. I, I live in Indianapolis. Yep. Okay. Well, then you you can come over. Why don't you come over and volunteer? Consider me voluntold to okay. help with whatever <laughs> you've <right>. got. Uh, <laughs> okay. Would would be more than happy to, Angie. There's there's yeah. Can we still solder? And it's really um, important to teach them about I the pro press with the best of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's really important to take them into our BIM departments and, and teach them what that is. Cause that's a huge part. We try to, I mean, there's so much more to construction and the, the robotic side of ro construction is something we really need to continue to hit a lot on. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Procore has been a great partner and they have this program where I could, it, they could do it on their phones where they enter a 3d building. And they yeah. walk around on their phones in a 3D building and we give them a scavenger hunt list and they go in the 3D building and they try to find the scavenger hunt stuff. And that, I mean, we need to show them that the technology is there because these are the kids that were born with it in their hands. Mm -hmm. Right. They, they were born with yeah. it attached to them. So um, that's what you uh, need to do. You need to do that for us. I so. Consider me signed up. Okay. Yeah. Good. I won't forget. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I know you won't. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. In construction, honestly, I don't think a lot of kids know how cutting edge we are. Like, they they took the Hololens, uh, which was an augmented reality headset, off the off the market. They're like, well, no one's using it. I'm like, everybody in construction is using this. Like, all the cutting edge was using it, and we took it out to Penn State, and we're like, we're using it, and we're using this, and we're using this, we're using this, and we're getting resumes from Penn State engineers the second we leave, because they had no idea that that's what construction was becoming. Yeah, but it's so. With the with the projects, with everything they learn, they they get to learn. It, do they get to actually use like like what kind of welding? Do they do? They do? I'm just oh, curious. Real welding. I mean, we uh, so depending on where you're at and and yeah. what camp you're running and all that kind of thing and what they want to do. But we, we put them in our welding booths and we they learn. They I mean, we buy extra you know welding stuff and we. But probably more one-on-one -on -one with that than they are. Yeah. We don't, we don't allow it to be like four-on-one. I mean, we want one-on-one -on -one with welding, but we also had like, I know in, in, I think it was in St. Louis that they did virtual welding and they had competitions, right. which is a great way to do it. I mean, I had a dream one day, you know, this is a dream, but I had a dream. I woke up in the morning thought, was that a dream? I was going to build out a, like a big RV with about eight virtual welders in it and this drive around to my camps and let them use them at my camps. That was my dream, but yes, you know, that goes, but um, because I, because they love the, the fire so much, but you know, even simple as Sacramento Smackna did this in their camp. And I love the idea. She brought out her fire extinguisher guy, the, the people that do the fire extinguishers, they built, you know, round uh, sheet metal things. They built fires in, in the parking lot and they taught the kids how to use the fire extinguishers and the kids got to well, you know, take, you know, shut, get the fires out. And that was a huge hit with the kids. So, and you, it's a life skill right now. If there's a fire in their house, they've actually used a fire extinguisher. So, oh, yeah. but welding is a big part of it. And you find that many of the kids want to be welders. They think it's, they don't realize how long a eight hour day under a hood and <laughs> in hot weather is going to really be, but we won't tell them that at all. Yeah, we don't need to tell them any of the downsides. Yeah, like yeah, none no, of the downsides. All it's all, all positive. Some people it's, find it's, solace in that. I mean, I don't. Know. It's uh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a breed. There's people who just enjoy uh, welding. Is uh, for people who have like an artistic mind. Yeah, welders are very similar uh, in the ability to like focus on yeah. patterns and things that you're doing for a long time. I mean, yeah, the same skill sets are there. It's. In uh, in St. Louis's camp, they build a dice out of heavy gauged metal, and they and they weld the the seams. 
And um, I was looking at them at graduation and this one young lady who it was amazing. And they were, she was, she was going to be a senior. She wasn't even out of school yet. She's going to be a senior in high school, but they're fighting over already because she <laughs> wants to be a welder. And she's so good as a junior in high school at welding for some reason. So it's really neat because she says, oh, I'm going to be a welder next summer. She goes, as soon as I get out of college, uh, out of high school, she said, I'm going to be a welder. <laughs> and she's, she already had offers. They were like fighting over her. So well, cool. you know, I, cool. I got to say, you were saying that maybe like you were worried about whether Milwaukee would give them, you know, like a tool bag for, for the students. I'm thinking they're going to be fighting over who to give them to because I remember my first tools and they're the first battery I get. And you know what mm. I buy? Everything else. That That's a great that point. You know yeah, what I mean? mean like, I mean, you have a you have a pretty good captive audience. That you got to play that marketing. Little, yeah. yeah that, uh, I mean, I just did. I sent my email to Milwaukee and letting him. I mean, I'm looking at probably needing 300 tool bags from each company this summer. And I, I did say to them that, you know, your first tool bag is the one you never forget. And we, we generally will check with the contractor and say, are you a Milwaukee or a DeWalt? And if they are, we try to give as long as we have, and it's been about 50, 50 so far. So, mm -hmm. um, and if we don't, if it's not 50, 50, then the training centers will usually be more agnostic. They don't care. So I'll give them to the training center. I'll send, you know, one, one word versus the other. And actually in Kansas city, they did, um, they wanted half Milwaukee, half DeWalt just because she said we use both. So, so you had 30 kids in Kansas city this past summer. And so we gave them 15 tool bags of each, mm -hmm. but th those partners have been huge for us. Um, DeWalt Milwaukee because and and DeWalt uh, they also have Black and uh, Stanley Black and Decker has a grant right now available that we've applied for the last two years and we've gotten money from them and we applied for this year December first I'll be finding out if you know how much more we'll get but it's to help the trades and they and they extended that grant they put twenty five million aside for it so that's the part that's important to me I'm trying to tell our partners I mean Procore has been that partner Train Train signed up for that less this past year they were a huge supporter of us like I said Mestech and with, you know, SMACNA, MCA, NECA are all giving us lots of help and free, you know, free boosts and things like that. But we are starting to get other other sponsors and um, starting to step up. I mean, even Kojo and Open Space and some of the tech ones are starting to step up um, because I think and Trimble was a they, they stepped in last year, too. So for me, it's it's a matter of saying, guys, you need the industry. You need it to be successful. And if you could just help us with this. Um, because it's going to help with the industry in the future. Well, does does Lincoln so, have a semi tractor trailer like you were talking about? Because I think Lincoln Welders has a virtual welding trailer that you know that they, they could probably let you borrow the keys of for a couple of days. Come on, like like, yeah. like it's just I'm like supposed, a, I'm supposed to be retired. I could drive around in that big, big truck in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. just you're just camping. You're just camping. It, yeah, it's it's, so, it's a camper trailer. Or your executive you, director could, right? Yeah. <laughs> If you could do one, I'm cheap and I'm from the Midwest. So if you could get Master Force and Tool Shop out of um, the Menard stores, I'd be great with that too. Um, yeah. But so I, I wanted to touch on the the technology side. We were construction technologists here. So you did talk about you 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 do take them through the the BIM departments and stuff. And yeah. um, we, when I was working with the Helm Group, that's one of the things we did a lot of. And 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 I used to go to different career fairs and and talk about talk about stuff and um, I was supposed to talk about soft development and one and I end up talking about construction a lot so can you talk a little bit more about like the the technology involvement that that these kids get exposed to because not everybody's going to be a welder but we still need other people we need the people the purchasing agents and, yeah. and whatnot. no we do we do and and we do take them through all of the you know all of our shops and we show them everything um, and actually when you do when you do help to camp at a training center that a lot of them have welding booths all over the place but um 
they also have the computers in the BIM department. So we try to, and a lot of the camps were trying to let them see from the very beginning. So we go in there with them to the, the 3D, we draw what we're gonna draw in 3D. We show them how it gets downloaded to the computer and then it goes to the laser and gets printed out, you know, whether, and they can go watch it printed on the laser and, and then they can, and then they form it together and they, and they might have to weld it or whatever. So they, we're, we're showing them all that now. Um, and we're giving them a chance to even use that a little bit. We're, we're, and then like, like, like having 3d programs, like a Procore had offered with a, with where they can go through a 3d building and do a scavenger hunt. That's a great way to do it. I mean, it shows them what they're doing. I think, um, Every kid has a different, I mean, not every kid, but a lot of them are like, oh, well, that's fun, but I want to do this or I want to do that. And so we, the virtual head, you know, we would love to get them walking some job sites with that too. Um, it just depends. Job sites are a little more of a struggle to bring your camps to just because you've got to coordinate it. And I know in our area, we, like my superintendent was starting to say to the kids, listen, our camps were running from like 2.30 to 5 after the summer, after the shop was closed. He would say to them, if anybody can get off at noon, meet me here at noon and I'll take you a to a job site. He would do three or four kids at once as a tour, which was kind of nice. But um, but yeah, we, we really do try to stress the technology. And in our shops right now, we have so much prefab going on in our shops. So we show them how that we have, you know, the, we do those, the welding that way with the tiger stops. And so we show them all of that. And um, I, I'm excited that how technology has finally, finally been adopted is much more accepted in construction. Think about it. I've been in construction. Yeah. My first company I worked at, we were excited because we got a fax machine. Okay. So <laughs> that, that was a Probably big still deal. have it. Yeah, they, they may. This is a small thing. <laughs> Uh, so it's used I, every day. It's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I finally got us to take our fax number off our business card, so I think we can take that off. So. But it is great to see how technology is accepted now, and um, and we tell the kids that we talk to them about the fact that we talk about robotics and how the robots can lay out the, the job sites, and but you've got to be the one who operates the robots, and and so they really uh, you have a lot of kids that are interested in robotics, and when they hear that, they're like, oh, that's interesting. So we need to continue to sell that to them and, and get them. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about would be giving them videos that we could send them home with to do some homework at night, you know, say, Hey, here's three videos I want you to watch. And we'll talk about them when you get back, you know, so we can show robotic videos or, or that kind of thing. Maybe a construction dorks podcast. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I like it. You, you don't want them to listen to us. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, don't swear a lot, so. we probably have a few that might help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the bourbon drinking may not be the best thing. But, in the high school. Yeah, uh, right. it's probably it's yeah. probably all that. That comes later in the career, you know. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, they they may be doing it themselves now. I don't know. <laughs> Some of the startups you talked about from the tech side are perfect. Like Open Space, um, that's an easy 360 camera solution. It's got some really cool graphics. The interface is cool. Um, I I can see like I could see more start as soon as startups know that you're you're doing this, I could see a lot of them jumping on because when we take technology and we put it on a job site, unfortunately, it usually doesn't go to the foreman. It usually goes to the youngest, most techie person on that job site. And so like a lot of these students, when they get there, they may be the person that's looked at to be the, the tech nerd, you know, while they're learning uh, better welding skills, better soldering, better installation right. skills. Well, so we, we started seeing at Western Allied that we should team an apprentice up with a foreman who is an older yeah. foreman and let them do the tech side of it. And it worked out really well. I see that all the time. I recommend it. Reverse too. Like, mentoring. We've talked yeah. about it. We've talked about it a lot. Yeah. 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 
The the other thing you mentioned that we do talk a lot about since since you're not like maybe versed in the construction dorks. We know you watch them all in your free time, but it's it's the fact that construction's one of the few places where you don't need a college degree to be the owner of the company. Yeah. We've had a bunch of times we've had on owners of the company, you know, the biggest the biggest movers in construction and we're like, "What's your degree?" and they're like, "Oh, I dropped out of school after a year because I got tired of it and you know, I went to tech school for 15, you know, 12 months and now I now I run a multi-million dollar company." So yeah. are are you are you like forwarding that to them that 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 idea that this is a you don't you don't end up with debt. You end up making money from day one. Is yep. is that big for them or is that, is, are they still skeptical? Um, it's big for the parents. The parents, when they start seeing <laughs> that, they see it because we do have in some of our posters, we have the analysis of five, you know, four, four years in college and then four years in the trades and what, what you owe at the end of that and how much you've made at the end of the trades. And it's a big deal for the parents. And some of the kids, it's a really big deal because money is their focus, it seems like. And um, and I think we talk to them all the time about it. And, and, you know, a lot of the apprenticeships now and local 104 in our area, and I think uh, UA467 in my area, if they've worked with Foothill College. So when you get done with your apprenticeship, you have an AA degree. So you have a two-year degree. So they've added specific English type soft skill classes to their apprenticeship specifically because Foothill said, if you need want the AA degree, you've got to add these classes. And they did that. Yeah. So that, I mean, I've told them, I said, you, you graduate, you get done with your apprenticeship. You've already got your AA degree. You're working in the trades. And if you decide you might need to go get a, a master, I mean, a bachelor's from business, for example, then maybe you go at night and stuff. I mean, you're already making money. You've made good money. You can probably do that or you could do it online. But I said to them, you don't need it to do that. Many of many, many owners don't. And the, the, the master's of life is going to give you a lot more experience than, than necessarily that the yeah. classes. I mean, I love my classes in college, but I think I've learned way more of my first five years at Western Allied from my field folks than anybody else. So, yeah, our local, our local here, the UA local in Indianapolis does the same thing. You get a two year mm -hmm. associate's degree from the local community college. So, yeah. So yeah. there is that. I mean, I would argue me being where I am now years later, um, probably look at that and say, maybe it's not that big a deal, but at the moment, you know, if you did want to transition, you yeah. know, there, there is that opportunity. I mean, well, and I look at it and say, Hey, I ran a large company. Did I have an MBA? No. Um, I just had a bachelor's. Did I, could I have used one? Maybe, but you know what? I just married one and I would just bring stuff home at night and say, Hey, you need there to you go. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. my, Charles, my there's ways right. around everything. Yeah, yeah. There is. Yeah. It? <laughs> Charles Barkley, when they, you know, he's like, well, uh, cause Charles Barkley left college, right, to join the yeah. NBA. But he had, like, I don't have a college degree, but I got a lot of people that work for me that do. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So. No, you know, I think um, I think the kids. We really, really do stress over and over again. And and one of the things we do is after about thirty hours of camp, we stress to have a make the graduation a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal that they've graduated. We try to like in my company, we have like our, we we make it a company function. So we probably have one hundred and fifty people at, at the barbecue. Um, and I mean, for them to have 150 at their graduation is pretty cool. Um, but they, they, and we give them, you know, certificates, but we also, they get a medal, but they also get letters of recommendation. And we're hoping that we can continue to work with the union to give, to give them a step up. Like some of them, there's points to get, you know, that you, your test scores are help you, the higher ones get to go into the apprenticeship sooner, but there's also other points. And we're hoping that 
a lot of the unions will work with the, the with the heavy metal camp and say, well, they get X number of points because they did the heavy metal camp and get them into the camp. I mean, direct injury would be ideal, but I don't know, you know, every apprenticeship in every state has got different rules. So right. I can't get into that level. But I I said today when I was yeah, when I was on the phone with some Portland folks, they were saying, have you thought about, you know, making this an approved apprenticeship pre-apprentice class? And I said, well, you need to do that in Portland, in Oregon, because their rules are different than all the other states. But but I said, go for it. If it, if you think you can, that's what we should do. So, um, but I just, I do need the support of the, of all NECA, IBEW, UA. Um, I mean, we need all, all and smart. They need to be on board. Smart's been very on board with it from the very beginning because, because I was SMACNA and I was strong with that and UA stepping up and now I just need to get to IBEW to get them more on board as well. So. We may know a few people. Yeah. 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 Given, <laughs> Given that they're going to try to electrify the United States, they need more people than anyone else. Like legit, need more people coming in than anyone else. I, I, absolutely, I don't. They they got to be in so much with all the battery factories and all the. I mean. Oh yeah. I mean, California. We're, we're not going to be able to buy a car that's not electric here in a few years. So we oh, need yeah. we need charging stations. We're still good in Indiana, by the way. We can, yeah. Right. Yeah. Probably good in Oklahoma and Texas still too. I still <laughs> use my coal-powered locomotive here. You know. That's probably what people think. Yeah. No. Well, I'm, I'm excited. We, we're going to have a camp in Texas, which is we're going to have one in Dallas. So Brant's going to have one. Um, there's a few areas um, I'd like to get. Definitely. I'm still working on Chicago. So I, I need to talk to the Helm group and see if I can get them to consider it. But I'm working on certain areas. Um, but I am excited to get ones in different locations, which is, is really great. It looks like we might have one in Milwaukee and Minnesota. And so we're, we're moving into different areas, which is a good thing. So right on. Right. So if somebody wants to, cause, cause we, you know, there are people actually that I tell about this and I'm always like contact Angie, she'll, she'll move you forward. This is who you need yep. to contact. But is there, yep. is there anything, is there anything beyond that? Like uh, aside from reaching out to you on LinkedIn or reaching out to you via email, is there a way for, particularly I'm saying for parents, because those are the people that I see most of all that like, there are a lot of people in my local that would love to send their kid to one of these camps. Yeah. And there's two contractors that I know that probably could be talked into doing one. Um, if we can find enough classes, how do you get going? How do you get started? Well, um, that's a good question. And you need to realize uh, it's growing so fast. I put, I built our first website, yeah. and uh, which is a bad thing because I had people to do that kind of thing when I was at Western Allied and now I did it myself. So it was a GoDaddy website. Um, but <laughs> And it's still working and doing fine, but we are finally going to, by the end of this calendar year, we will have a neat new website. It's going to be okay. awesome. Um, i got people working with me. But even now, though, you can go to my website, and it's going to be the same website address. So it's www.hmse, so heavy metal summer experience.org. And I've got, you know, I've got, we've got videos on there and we've got, um, and, and those that are interested in sponsoring, there is a tab about raise the rebar is our, is our, uh, it's our oh, cool. thing for trying to raise some money here, raise the rebar, but that sh tells a lot of the story we have. It, it tells the story, how we're going to be, you know, where you can go. And, and we'll also have our map. We have a map of the United States. Like we had a map last summer of the 21 locations. And the plan is the United States and Canada will have a map again to show where they are and we'll have contact people at that location. So the other thing is we're planning on putting an online application for the students on the map, uh, on the website. So by the end of the year, there'll be an online application on the website. And what you'll do is if they, and there'll be drop downs for all the locations we're having camps and you pick the one that you're closest to or that you want to get into. And then the camp will get that application as well as we'll get that application. 
Um, so we're trying to make things a little more streamlined um, and we're trying to figure out how to scale this whole thing up. But I've got a great PR group, uh, Nelson Creative and Davenport, Iowa, working with me to do all my social media, but they're also doing our website and, and our playbook. So um, we're trying to scale that up because we need to. And I, I hope that we do have a problem with the fact that we may have a hundred camps the following summer. Um, if I can, you know, if, if we're lucky, it's, it's, well, it's doing the right thing. So your forecast suggests you will. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know, I know. Um, I know. And that's great. But the other thing is there's two things I would wish we could get the shops back into high schools um, and that they could understand and that they can understand that there is a career in the trades I mean, we do see some counselors. I mean, there was a counselor in Laverne School District, which is in the Southern California area. And it happened that the first summer uh, we had a superior had a camp. The three kids from that school district went to that camp. And one of them was the daughter of the superintendent of schools, which was really cool. She went to the camp. So then she told the, the counselor that you need to go get more kids into that camp. It's an amazing camp. So then I talked to this counselor and the counselor said, you know, we're, I, I think we should be focusing with some of our counselors, not all of us should focus focus on college. And I'm like, thank goodness. So they actually, that superintendent of schools actually allowed her to be a counselor that does not focus on college. I don't, I don't remember what her title is, but it's, she's basically following up on careers that don't require a four-year degree. And um, I, I, if, if I was really successful, you know, 10 years from now, it's all back in the high schools and the high schools are pushing people to the right options for their careers. And we don't need to have these summer camps, but, um, you know, if I'm really lucky, so. Well, that could have, I mean, look, that that's what they're going to have to wake up and realize. And I mean, the reality is, is that we, we always train for the wars that have been fought in the past. Right. I mean, I know <laughs> Travis, you could say <laughs> Travis, you're a, a veteran like me. I mean, when we went to boot camp, we trained bayonets, we trained, you know, it's like, it seems like, <laughs> The path always trains you for the, I mean, it, the high schools are going to have to realize and hopefully yeah. they realize it before we're training, but eventually these classes are going to come back to the high school. They're going to, they just yeah. need to do it now. Hopefully they're not realizing 20, 30 years from now, you know, training for the war that's already happened. Right. But the war's getting ready to happen where people don't know how to do these things and yeah. it's, it's yeah. happening. So, cool. and, um, and as we know, we, we have so many retiring here in the next five years oh, that, oh. It's just going to be we're going to be so shorthanded. And thank God we have technology because technology is helping us with that a little bit. But it's still not nearly enough. And um, I mean, it's just, you know, it's a great career. We, we call it the best kept secret, a career in the trades. Mm -hmm. right? I, so, I had um, a phone call earlier today with uh, uh, Steve from uh, Dodge Analytics. And I, I'm going to butcher his statistic or whatever. But they did a poll of, of the um the different trades and including structural and everything like that. And I, I want to say it was close to 30% was what they expect to retire in the next, the next wave. So 30% yeah. of our workforce is going to retire. You know, what's kind of cool is a couple of the guys at Western Valley, like my superintendent, particularly he, I mean, he's older, he and I are the same age and, um, but he's this union guy. So he's been in the trades for longer and he could easily have retired five years ago, but because we started the camp and because we're, we're Western Allies on the cutting edge of technology and that we're really interested in that, he is having so much fun to see and, and to share the camps and to, and to share technology and to see us get lasers and see us get this, that he says, I'm going to keep working. And that's that's really cool because he I mean, that's what we need. We And, I, and then if, if you have retired and you're a union folk and you want but you still want to help, 
I'll take retirees to help too. I mean, a couple of my camp liaisons, I, Dean Fox is a liaison we have that he used to run the labor at, uh, at Hermanson. He, he was a tenor when he came up to the sheet metal industry, but he retired as a part, you know, a couple of years back and, and he heard about this and now he's one of my liaisons. So he helps my camp. So call him and, and I can't, I can't have me be the liaison for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I can't get to all the graduations and I can't get to all the camps. So it's nice to have some help like that. So. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, you look like you have something you want to say. Yeah. Oh, not, not specifically. I got to say that, <laughs> that like if this camp existed, this is the camp that I would have gone to. Like the reason right. that I did not um, stress as hard when I dropped out of college was because I had had two years of tech school during the summers. So I knew that I could do carpentry, which isn't what I ended up doing. But like, I, I got to say the level of, um, and I was thinking about this with the kids, and, and especially what you said about that story of the girl that kind of lost lost her way. I think yeah. you're enabling them to understand that they can make it. And then I, I've i been playing this game with airports when we get talking about constructions because I wear the big construction shirt anyways and I talk all the time. It's a bad habit. But but uh, guess how much a welder makes is, is my favorite thing to say. And they'll be like, oh, I don't know, 50, 60 grand a year. And I'm like... <laughs> Oh, geez. oh no. no, 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 no. You don't understand. <laughs> and yeah. then you tell them how much they actually make it, it, at base. And then you tell them how much they really make with like two shutdowns a year or one shutdown a year. And they're like, are you kidding me? And it's like, no, no, seriously, you can, you can get your six figures without going to college mm -hmm. and at, at a job that is like going to shop class, which was yeah. my favorite, my favorite class was shop class. My, There's no question. My 25-year-old gives me a hard time because he says, Mom, why did you have me go to college? Because <laughs> I would have been a lot further off if I would have just done the trades. And, and I'm like, sorry. But, you know, I mean, he's he's with an industrial technology major. And I said, well, you would have missed out on the college experience. He goes, yeah, that's true. He goes, but but he goes, but then again, he goes, I would have probably had the house for that I want to buy by now. And uh, I said, yeah, but do you really need the college experience? I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I know. It was fun, but do you really need it? Yeah, well, luckily he went to Cal Poly, so we, it was not not as expensive as most colleges. <laughs> sure. So, but that helped. But yeah, no, and, and you know what? Passion's important, and every every trade is different. I, my older son's a journalist, um, yeah. and he he was a sports journalist, and he he got he has a master's, and um, and I feel for him to a certain degree because journalism's not a trade that pays very well. Um, he is now the sports editor for a big paper up in the or an online paper in the Bay Area, and uh, doing great. But, um, you know, he jokes about his brother making a lot more money than he does. And I, I keep telling people they don't understand what a good paying job construction is all the way throughout. I mean, in the office and in the, in yeah. the field, it's a good paying job, better than most. And my husband was in the hotel business. That's not where you want to be if you want to make money. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I definitely like like my, my son growing up. He's at he's at college right now. But before he left the house, I was like. Yeah, why don't we teach you how to blacksmith and carpentry and just weld a little, like, like just have the base level skills so I know if you can't find a job, you can find a job. You yeah. know what I mean? Because well, I, I don't think they realize that, like, we, we're not kidding. 30% retiring. We have nobody in electrical to replace them. We have no one in plumbing to replace them. Sheep. Like, we need people so badly that that if you want to do this we will pay you lots of money to do this you know and, and you guys know i'm sure that stat's been said many times but the average age entering our apprenticeships in sheet metal and in ua uh, i know those two is around 26 and a half so 
they're 26 and a half years old before they start the apprenticeship. Where have they been for the last, you know, eight years, nine years? So probably college um, or military that or in and out. They might've been working in and out. You never know. I mean, that's the thing I think to myself, gosh, if they could have joined the trades eight years earlier, think of where they would be financially and pension wise and everything else that they were at 26 and a half. Well, I think that speaks, speaks a little bit to the being lost. Like I think probably a lot of them spent almost a decade just trying to figure out who I am, what do I want to be, what do I want to do? Like that's and, true. And, yeah, and yeah. they don't have, and they don't have at twenty six. You can do that while working too, though. You know, you can. Right. Yeah. 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 And they lose their parents' benefits at twenty six, so they have to stop. That's it right there. Oh crap! Yeah. I need parents. That actually might be the real statistic. I don't even know. <laughs> it might be. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. So. Angie, all the people we got for BIM, I couldn't find anybody for BIM because no one, you know, not computer people. I started grabbing graphic designers that were making 12 to $15 an hour. And I'm like, oh, I can pay you way more to do the yeah. same stuff that you're doing, but for a different. And it was like the gold mine, like you because you could grab graphic designers and just feed them in and you're always paying them more. And they're yep. always going into that tech side. I wish there was a, a similar funnel for for the actual hands on work. Um, but there's, there's just not a lot. We are bringing people into the union through outside trades, but yeah, but that's not, that doesn't go that fast. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. And, and we, we, the union does need to continue to work on, uh, uh, getting people through the system faster into it faster, need to understand that they need to take more kids into it. They keep saying, well, well we want them to be employed. I understand that. But if we, if you only take one class a year, we have a problem. So in different areas, see different problems. And, and that's one of the challenges on the union side is that we need to continue to uh, figure out a way to, I mean, maybe make part of it online so that you can be, make it more efficient. Yeah. There's just, there's a lot of challenges there. I, I, um, I don't really want to try to, be the solver of those problems too. <laughs> but I got to figure out how to get our kids into the unions because yeah. it's going to make us successful. That's an interesting one, you know, I because I can look at that even from my past experiences where, mm -hmm. and I think some of that's a button head between the contractor and the union a little bit, but, um, you know, it, it, I work in software now, right? And, and I work in uh, customer success and onboarding and stuff like that. And we're always trying to figure out how do we get the time to first value faster, right? We're always talking about how do we get from somebody's yeah. new to the time where what we have provides value to them. We want that to be as fast as possible. Yeah. And it's funny because the the apprenticeship, when I went through the plumbing and pipe fitting apprenticeship, um, it, it was a five-year apprenticeship when I went. And then you heard about, well, 15 years ago, it was a four-year apprenticeship. And I'm like, yeah. wait, they added a year? Wait a minute. And then now I'm in software and I'm like, no, we're trying to like shorten that. But right. And some of that's the back and forth with the contractor, because I think the contractor wants more years of not paying them the full wage. Right. And I get that. Um, and, you know, but the union needs to try and push yeah. a quicker turn because we do. We need to get plumbers and electricians to the first value faster. Yeah. The same thing we're trying to do in software. Right. So you, you learn things as you move through different roles and, and different spheres. And that's. And we, we are adapting in things like with the military, like Helmets of Hard Hats or Smart Heroes. We're adapting where we have an eight-week program that they take a tense, intense eight-week program. And that that's the entire first year of apprenticeship. That Those are the kind of things we got to be creative on. Let's figure yeah. out how we can get these kids through faster so that and, – and if, they, if, they're, if they're good at it, particularly if they pass, like, you know, if they get to the next level, if they, if they can pass that next test and say, I should be at second level, then let them be at second level. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I got – it's one of those things where – 
I hate it. I hate it's sad when you see a, uh, an apprentice getting out finally in his fifth year and they really were kicking butt the whole time and they probably could have been better off. I mean, a lot of companies will pay them higher wages because of that. But um, I mean, just we need to figure out how to adapt our, our training. And I know ITI is in on the sheet metal side is really working on that. They're trying to. So, yeah, I, I think there's I think there's a lot of changes that need to go on to, to keep our workforce where we need to be. Um, but we are well over our, we're not well, we're a tick over <laughs> our hour minutes. mark. Um, so this is where Angie, you know, we, we talked a little bit about um, your revamp, your, of the website and your advertising. We talked a little bit about um, trying to get the more, trying to get more exposure to the kids. Um, we're a largely an industry-based podcast. So what is, this is your time to get on your soapbox and make appeals to the industry. What what do you need? Help me help you. What what do you need from us? <laughs> well, there, there's a number of things I probably could use. And again, one of them was even just support from our 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 uh, our industry in regards to financially. Anyhow, for example, I did talk to talking to both like Open Space and Kojo said, "Hey, if you're a sponsor, thank you for being a sponsor. And if you're a sponsor, we would love you if you're in that area to stop by a camp." It's a great opportunity for them to get inside a contractor's shop and say, hey, I'm a sponsor. I want to check out the camp. But then you get a chance to meet somebody in that shop. And now you're going to possibly talk to those shops as well. But to support, knowing all of the vendor, the people that support our industry know, need to know that to make our industry successful, we need to go forward. So we're asking for people to look at that. We, we do have that side of it. But for heavy metal to be successful, too, we need to have contractors and training centers willing to step up and say, I'm going to be a host. Because it, it's not free to be a host either. They they end up spending money as well. And but it's well it's money well invested because of the fact that they're going to get people out of this, and it's the right thing to do for the industry. So I need a combo. I mean, I'll continue to do what I can do, but I need host camps. I need I need people who are willing to host. Uh, I need training centers that are willing to host, and um, and I need people who are willing to donate as well and help us on that end of it. Um, so I just you know just to continue to grow because I think it's a good story, and um, and I do think that uh, you know. I'm happy if a company says, I'm going to continue to do this. I'm going to do it within my own company and I'm good. I don't need you heavy metal anymore because we got it covered. Great. Have at it. But what we do every year is every time there's new projects being built um, in the camps, like we built new projects this summer, we're going to add them to our playbook. So we're going to, so the next person coming in to run a camp, is going to have even more projects to pick from. So the goal is every year our playbook will be updated with the new projects. So, and new ideas and new forms and things like that. So that if, we can continue to make it easier and easier for the next camps, but it it you need to have skin in the game. Uh, any of all of us, all of us need to tell to sell this industry to the next generation, and to do that, we need to tell them how great an industry it is. So we need to shout that to the mountaintops, in my mind. So yeah, I I, I completely agree. We, we say a lot of times that construction has a PR problem, mm -hmm. and I think you're doing a great job to help address that. So I commend you for that. We thank you for your time here. Yes. Um, I would, I think it would be awesome if, if we think about the heavy metal summer camp as a, as a minor league or a feeder system that feeds into the, to the industry, into the, you know, on our side of the union training centers. I, I think that would be great for, for us as a whole, if we could just have these regionally based camps that continue to feed kids in. So thank you very much for the work that you're doing. And thank you for being a guest on our podcast. Yeah, well, thank you for letting me talk about it because it's important. And uh, Trent, I've got your number. I'm going to be calling you. <laughs> 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 I, in, in all seriousness, 
I love to help. It's not. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, Good. I, uh, yeah, well, well, thank you guys, because this kind of thing helps a lot. You guys telling the story and uh, sharing our, our vision. And I know you all have the same vision because we all rely on construction for our industry. So that's a great thing. We all to live. Yeah. Yeah. To live. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It is. It is the, the, life the poo has to get out of my house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So thank you for that. Well, thank you very much. Okay. This has been, uh, oh, Angie, you got one more thought or? I'm going to have, I'm going to go find my bourbon now is what I'm going to do. It is time, right? That's what you need to do at the end of every show. We got to wrap it up Find my bourbon. So this has been episode 72, The Dorks Go Heavy Metal with Angie Simon. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Thank you.